When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. As much as I want to be a storyteller, I also realize that I can't tell stories authentically without honoring my own. Hey everyone, you're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm really glad you're here. This episode's special guest is journalist, TV personality, and entrepreneur, Shishi Yang. Shishi and I talk human to human about connecting with our own truths in order to be authentic storytellers. We also talk civil rights movements, Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate, along with cross-cultural allyship. Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out, and a reflection question based on something inspired by the episode. So, here goes. This episode's song to put on repeat is What's Next by Drake. This week's read is the Eyes on the Prize Civil Rights Reader. And after you listen, reflect on this question. What parts of yourself have you abandoned in order to be liked? As always, leave your response in the comments or at humanhumanseries.com. Now, let's get into my conversation with Shishi. Listen, Stacey, I'm so freaking proud of you. Like. No, doing this interview with you today on your show, I seriously feel like I'm being blessed by Oprah. Oh my God. I look up to you so much because, you know, we're cut from the same fabric Mm -hmm. and not many people who come from our background uh, have been so pivotal at creating a lane for themselves. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people recognize that. And you did at such an early age. It's so incredible. Oh my gosh, same. You have so many. Oh my God. Okay, Shishi, wow. We just started. So we weren't supposed to start the interview yet, but we're already in it. <laughs> so, because I wanted to be like, hi, hi, hi. But also, everybody should hear that too that we are just getting to reconvene after such a long time. But we have, we've known each other, man, since 2014, I think. So it's been, it's been a while. So, first of all, how are you? Well, I'm doing as well as I can be. Um, Last year was such a crazy time for all of us, right? I think I went through such a big stage of changing my life because, you know, being at home during the pandemic, everything around us getting shut down, it really made us evaluate what's Mm -hmm. actually important and what we want to accomplish in our lives. So I think, you know, now that we're on this new path, we're in the path of healing. We yes. want to be able to create more awesome content. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited to be on your show today. Oh my gosh, same. So what part of, um, what, what kind of things came up for you last year in regards to, okay, this isn't important to me. This is more important to me. You know, I think I have always been a storyteller mm-hmm. and I really fell in love with entertainment content and pop culture mm-hmm. because I grew up in a bunch of different places. I was born in China, raised there for six years, mm-hmm. and then Tokyo, Japan for three more years, then Madison, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania, New York Mm. before coming to LA. So I've always, in a weird way, I always kind of felt like an outsider. 
You know, and the beauty of being an outsider is that you're able to pick up different things from different culture, different, different cultures of people, different behaviors, and really mm-hmm. pick and choose what you want, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw that entertainment is so powerful. Pop culture is like the number one type of content being consumed because no matter where you are, no matter where you live, chances are you want to be entertained, right? Right, right. I always wanted to bring a little bit of positivity to people's lives. I knew I had you know, I, I had that extra personality. I, you know, for me being too little was never the problem. It's always been me being too much, <laughs> which now we finally know there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. That. Uh, um, so I really fell in love with entertainment because I felt yeah. like it was just like a way to uh, bridge together different cultures, create allyship and mm. really show that fundamentally us as human beings, we're more alike than we are different. You know, which is why I love the messaging of your show so much, Human and Human, because Mm -hmm. underneath it all, underneath what we look like, underneath our glam, our eyelashes, whatever we wear, however we express ourselves, we're all made out of flesh and blood. We're all the Mm -hmm. same. We're just Mm -hmm. human beings and we want that sense of connection. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like the power of connection is really so real. And thank you so much for saying that about the show, because it was born out of a moment, you know, I've been in entertainment a long time and there was a moment I started feeling like, is this all we get to do? Right. Is this, is this, is there more to the story? Do we get to tell more? There's so much depth to storytelling. And sometimes it gets cut off when you do a press junket that's three minutes or you do a carpet that's four minutes. You're like, that wasn't enough. I didn't get to connect fully with the human being behind, you know, the, the glam. And so doing this show was a way for me to really connect with people I admire. I'm either friends with, I, I want to get to know and also express their stories in a different way to the masses so that we really all know that the human experience is one thread. It really, really is. And I hope that even though the pandemic was very painful, that that's the big lesson we took out of it, that as a glo- we went through this globally. So together we really all know, oh, we really are one and the same. And, uh, you know, I think it was time for us to be reminded of that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. You know, I, as much as I love pop culture and entertainment, I, I felt like you know, and again, Stace, I'm sure you can relate to this so much mm-hmm. because you and I have had such tremendous conversations off of the red carpets right. when the cameras were rolling. Those were like the truest, <laughs> rawest moments. Yes. Um, when I, I was holding my heels in my hand most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, girl. And I, and I feel like it's so interesting to see that Hollywood in itself is going through such a period of reckoning because Mm. the pandemic really made us realize that so much of the fundamental pillars of Hollywood, whether it's a war show season or different organizations, unions, whatever it was, it was built upon the thought of exclusivity, right? Like I even remember watching my own footage from like five or six years ago when I would be there on the red carpets and I would literally say things like, oh, you know, this is a Young Hollywood Awards. This is so exclusive. Only only these A-listers can get in. You know, I'm giving you a sneak. Mm. But now I feel like our world is finally waking up and our generation and Gen Z that comes after us, they want something different. Yeah. They don't want to see that exclusive shit anymore. Right. They want stuff that is available to everyone and we have to celebrate the power of being humans first of all oh I love that so how is that change in your storytelling or like the jobs you take or the companies you work for right because I I'm hoping in the reckoning networks are changing um you know different 
companies or whatever, they're changing their mindsets. But also I know that that's not all going to happen in one year or one week or one month, right? So are there companies that have approached you where you're like, you know what, I want to change the tune. I want to add a different story. How has that changed for you as a storyteller? That's such a great question, girl. If I can show you all the receipts, all the emails, <laughs> the phone conversations, yes. all the opportunities I didn't get because I didn't mm-hmm. want to compromise who I was, you know, you probably wouldn't believe it. I just, it was something that has always been nagging at me because obviously looking the way that I do, being an Asian American woman in media already, that in itself is already so unique now adding on the entertainment industry, Hollywood. 10 years ago, when I first started, it was just, it was so different. We were even Mm -hmm. less diverse than we are now. And I remember going into um, a huge agent's office. I mean, he pretty much represented every single major talent that you Mm -hmm. saw in the sphere of entertainment news. Mm -hmm. And I remember him taking one look at me, one look at my headshot and saying, you know what? Uh, have you thought about changing your name to something that middle America can pronounce? Because Mm. if middle America can pronounce it, then they can trust you. Otherwise, we can't represent you. And I remember just walking out of the meeting feeling that gut-wrenching feeling of despair, almost like, you know, when do I have to prove that I am as American as everyone else? You know, when do I... How do I, how do I get to where I want to be in my industry and in my career without changing my heritage, dyeing my hair, making myself appear to be everything that I'm not? And I just felt like it was so off because as much as I want to be a storyteller, I also realized that I can't tell stories authentically without honoring my own. Yes. How can I uh. tell stories when I have to fabricate my own story, it doesn't make sense, right? So um, I recognize that that was kind of a reflection of the beginning of the reckoning that was happening across entertainment. And um, I I even remember one of the first few major red carpets I got in to cover as my own media outlet because nowhere would hire me. Um, The publicist took one look at me. I I explained to her that we were domestic online and she put me all the way in the international section. You know, people just make so many assumptions of appearance because of the narrative. I do feel like it's getting better now, but I think a lot of that really is the... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Power and the beauty of the internet. As much as social media has given us a lot of misinformation mm. <laughs> and a lot of wrong facts, I do want to celebrate the power of social media when used correctly. Yeah. We can use it to launch our own projects. We don't have to wait for a studio to finally give us that green light because... Girl, you and I both know most mm. of the time they don't even know what's hot. They don't know what's going on. Right. So there are some of us when they're just trying to save themselves. Honestly. And they're asking us to use our voice to do it. And so we have to be willing to use our voice for ourselves and also to tell the stories we truly believe in. I love that you talked about um, and gave us that story about changing your name 
and being authentic to yourself because I didn't realize how vulnerable I was going to need to become as an adult and as a, you know, journalist, as a host, if I wanted to tell authentic stories. I thought I was just telling other people's stories. And then halfway through my career, I found out, oh, I have to also be myself for real. Oh, great. That's going to be, you know, I just had a moment of that. That vulnerability is real. That authenticity is real. And you've talked so beautifully about owning your story, owning your past, confronting your past. And those are things I feel like we we just need those tools now more than ever, right? So I don't know if you can take me back to a story, even something like that you just mentioned, but that moment of confronting your past, confronting the past fears, things that, you know, people told you, nope, this isn't going to work. Nope, you need to look like this, sound like this, talk like this. And you decided to reckon with that on your own so you can move forward. I, you know, I, I just remember earlier in my career, I would go into so many different meetings with networks and uh, they almost didn't know what to do with me because mm. they had a handful of women who happen to be Asian Americans who are already working in news um, and, you know, who have paved way for our generation to come. But they just felt like I was a little different, right? I had a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, they gave me all kinds of advice, like, have you seen so-and-so? Have you seen Kong mm -hmm. Have you seen Lisa Ling? Can mm. you wear a turtleneck? Can you look more professional? <laughs> Can you talk like this? You know, and um, I'm ashamed to say it, but I have tried taking those advice, but it really just didn't come out as authentic because mm -hmm. fundamentally it's not who I am. Right. You know, and for the longest time, uh, I, I've had to be vulnerable and confront a lot of the pains that I had growing up, not just as an Asian American woman, but an immigrant mm -hmm. to a new country. I've really had to uh, realize that I shouldn't be running away from my heritage. I should be embracing it. And I should yeah. be using my voice to, again, own my story instead of rewriting history. Yeah, girl, it's it's so unfortunate that, you know, we come to, you know, either you come to America or you're in America and, you know, we're told, and I know that the reckoning of last year, I don't think we're ever going to go back to lying to ourselves, but there was a time that we said that America's the land of the free and, and we're all here together and it's a melting pot, but right. it takes a long time to make that your actual truth because you're fighting with, with your truth, your real heritage and what people are asking you to become so you can fit in. Yeah. It's very, very unfortunate. I'm Nigerian American. And there's a, I just, I think back, that's why when you said, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, I don't want you to ever be ashamed to say that because those are parts of our story, right? There were times when I was like, yeah, you say my name like this. And, um, you, you know, I don't, um, I go by Stacy, which is my first name. My middle name is Chinwe, but I never went by my middle name. My parents didn't really call me my middle name. And people would ask me like, what's your real name? What's your Nigerian name? And, I, and you'd be so embarrassed because you're, I don't know why that felt embarrassing at the time, but you felt like they were trying to single you out. And, and you're all of a sudden trying to cling to whatever makes you feel the most American. And it's, it's really, you know, it's a hard thing to reckon with that that's a part of our childhood. So I definitely, I share and relate with that so much with you. And I appreciate you sharing that because it's it's real it's something that you have to decide okay am I going to be me or am I going to be parts of me based on what other people see and think I need to be right and me. a lot of companies um a few years back even some now they like to do what we call performance activism mm -hmm. which is <laughs> girl people who are actually right for the diversity role you know they, they hire people that they feel like can check certain boxes, right? So you, so that's why you see a handful of talents being rotated yeah. around different companies in Hollywood because again, yeah. they feel like that's all they have. 
Mm-hmm. So to your point, can I ask you an honest question? Because I'm, I'm, I believe that both of us have been check boxes for companies, right? I know that I have been in a company where they're like, she's a black woman, black women are hot. Let's do it. I know that that's happened. I'm sure that's happened for you. What is that feeling like in terms of what do you do with that moment? Either, you know, or you don't know, but when you walk into it, when you find out, I know I was a checkbox, what do you do with that opportunity? That's a really great question. Um, I'm going to share the story of the first acting role that I ever got because 10 years ago, before I started my hosting career, you know, I I was like, okay, let's, let's try acting, right? Everything's in front of the camera. I was taking a bunch of acting classes Mm -hmm. and it was on a popular show on Disney XP called Zeke and Luther. I don't know if you ever seen it, but I was so excited because I went into audition and the first question that they asked me was, you know, do you know how to do a roundhouse kick? And obviously I didn't know how to do that. You know, they just assumed that all Asian Americans know some mm. sort of martial arts or karate, right? It was what was shown on TV right. and at the time. So I was like, no, not really, but let me give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then um, the role that I ended up booking, I didn't speak at all because the character that they had me play, Kamiko, was, um, was almost like a Yoko Ono inspired character. Zeke and Luther is a really young show, so they wanted to have like a group of, the cast member were probably in elementary school, and they just, you know, one of the episodes, the cast members decided to uh, do this like air guitar, air band session in the garage, and then along comes a character that's inspired by Yoko Ono, who infamously is probably credited for breaking up the Beatles, right? So that was Mm -hmm. my character. Mm. I didn't speak any English at all on the show, So that was kind of a moment for me when, um, you know, I I really had to reconcile, like, I I don't want to say no to the opportunity. Obviously, I need to make a living and I need to keep pushing in my career, but I didn't want to keep taking roles that put me in a very stereotypical life, Mm -hmm. right? But the, the harsh reality about our industry is that before we get to do what we want, we have to do what they want. Because- Let's be honest, if we didn't have the followers, if we didn't have the platform, we can scream for changes and better things to come all we want, but we're really not as impactful as if we did have a name. Mm. So that was also something that I've had to kind of balance. You know, I I couldn't say no to everything, even things that I knew um, I was being hired just as, again, a checkbox, right? Um, Because I wanted to build myself to where I am today. And I wanted to... No matter what opportunities I got in the past, I wanted to be able to challenge the status quo and show people and do do it a little different. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because I'm Aquarius and I'm rebellious by nature, you know, so they can hire me. I love her Aquarius. I yeah, love that's yeah, why yeah. we get along. I yeah. literally hired for things in the past where they give yeah. me a script and your girl cannot help but to go off the script because it's Same. just my one. You know, I, I wanted to show them something different. Same. I've gotten yelled at. I've gotten, you know, scolded by producers. They're like, just stick to the script. But I'm like, I, I can't. Right. I want to show you something that you haven't seen before. Right. So I just, I, I try to take every uh, opportunity and really put more of a positive spin on it and show them something that they haven't seen. Because a lot of the time, that type of ignorance, um, I, I think it's because of their limited vision and the fact that they just haven't seen it. 
Yeah, girl, that it's it's such a challenge and it's it's nuanced and it's complex. And I love and I appreciate that you answered that question because it's a hard question. You know, what do you do when you are a checked box in some situations? We still want to work. We still want to eat like our careers still matter. Our voices matter. Our stories matter. But it's like also trying to challenge the status quo in the way is you know, sometimes it feels like an innate responsibility. Not only are we women, but we're women, you know, an Asian American woman, a Nigerian American woman, a black woman. I mean, these these titles, these roles, these identities, they have weight, they have weight to it. And so I, yeah. yeah, yeah they do have weight. And you know, Stace, when the next generation of Nigerian Americans, when they watch you on camera, when they see you do what you do best, there's mm-hmm. that sense of pride that you just, you can't even explain. I remember, my parents, honestly, um, they've always tried to be supportive. But again, 10 years ago, when I started my career, they didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at the time either. They were like, well, they didn't know what to explain to their friends. But they're like, well, my, my daughter's not a doctor, not a lawyer. She's, you know, she's finding herself, right? They're like, she's finding herself. They didn't know how to explain Ooh, Right, right. Right. So um, it wasn't until one year I was given the opportunity to anchor the Oscars live for the Associated Press. My grandma in China somehow magically found found her way of how to use the iPad, found the link of the live stream by Googling Oscars or something. She didn't even know I was on. And then she saw her own granddaughter. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. On there, And then she called my parents and she was like, Stop being so hard on your own daughter. My granddaughter is making all of us proud. You know, we can't believe a little girl from like, you know, the city of Nanjing in China could eventually get to that stage. She's making all of us proud. Oh, that's awesome. It wasn't until my parents heard that did they finally come to understand the magnitude Mm. of what I was doing. And again, you know, opportunities like that, it shows us that representation matters. When I I didn't know I could be a TV host until I saw Susan Park on mm-hmm. TRL mm-hmm. MTV holding mm-hmm. it down, mm-hmm. and I I thought to myself, oh my god, that's such a cool career. I want to do that too. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because like we've seen representation matters be you know be on a high scale of understanding and true have some like substance. And then we've seen it be flubbered and be in spaces that like people are just using it, like you said, as a checkbox, as a mark, as something to say that they believe fake activism, for instance. Right. And so it's in a space like this, where you're hearing two women who are in this industry who really both challenged their parents. Cause I did the same. <laughs> and they were like, now sis, what is going on? I'm the oldest. They were like, oh God, we sent her journalism school. Now she's doing something else. Like this is too much. Um, but we both challenged them and we both, you know, we're in these careers and we're using these careers for good and we're using them to tell bigger stories that are larger than ourselves. So it's it's so amazing to remind ourselves that representation does matter. Yes, this is why we're doing this. Um, on top of the fact that we, we're gifted and we get to be in this career and we have stories to tell. So Stacey, now I want to hear your story. What was that point for you when your parents finally were like, okay, yeah. journalism school is paying off. She's doing something huge. Yeah, that's such a good one. Um, so they were, 
I came back from Australia after college, I studied journalism and then I didn't do news. I didn't apply to one news station, honestly, out of fear. Like I, I was like, I don't think I want to be there. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, what I mean is I don't want to go to, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a reporter. And they're like, what, what, at least we understood that. Right. So now I'm like, I want to be a host in LA. I don't even know what I was saying. Cause I didn't even know exactly what that looked like there, especially I went to university of Missouri. Missouri is amazing for journalism, but there weren't a lot of people in entertainment still. So Nichelle Turner was entertainment. Um, Amy Paffrath was in entertainment. And those are the two people that my director at the time, Stacy told me to contact. And so I did. So those are the two women I looked up to shout out to them. They're amazing women. And so, yeah, after I moved to Australia for a few months, cause I wanted to check out entertainment there. And and I finally came back. And to be honest, I was a little bit of a butthole. So what I mean was I just had a bad attitude. I was living at home. I'd come back. I'd graduated already. And I wanted to move to LA, but I was like, it's not time. So instead I worked at retail in the middle, like just for the time being. And I was not, was not nice. I feel like I was just really disrespectful. I was always in my feelings, blah, blah. And one day my parents were like, what's up? You have an attitude. You're not being you. We don't get it. And I was like, I need to move to LA. And I think my heart and my mind is just like, I can't sit still anymore until I move there. And they were like, we'll help you pack your bags. Like it's time to go. They were so happy to like send me off because they were like, we need you to get back to being you. And we know this isn't you. And we're not going to let you hold it against us if we don't like encourage this career. So go ahead. So that's kind of how it all started. When I got here, I was like, I'm, I worked at a restaurant, lived on a couch, did the whole like, you just got to LA vibe, took the bus everywhere for months. And um, yeah, I think that first moment was... Oh, I got to I guess I got to think of the first job. I would say honestly the first red carpet. It wasn't even paid and they were like, "We see it. We know this is going to work out." <laughs> they weren't they weren't they were still confused, they, but until they could see visually, they were like, "Okay, like the girl put on makeup and clothes and blah blah, blah to do all this and she's with the stars." Like, "Okay, let's see where this goes." Yeah. And definitely that moment of when I got the Oprah show and they flew to LA and were on set with me. I mean, they were obviously like oh my God, our daughter, like she, this is what she does. Like, this is her life. So that it was is a really a dope yeah. moment. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you got your family involved too. Oh man, girl, that you, for me, like not being able to celebrate that moment with, with them would have made that moment very different, but having them fly out. Oh, I remember coming on set and seeing them in the audience. I was like, you guys are here watching me be myself. This is amazing. And like, thank you for the permission to stay on track. I know it was hard and I know it was, you were scared. I know you were helping me and sending me money, but thank you. We're okay. <laughs> and so, yeah. Wait, mm. did they did they get a selfie with Oprah? Oh my gosh! So she wasn't on set that day, uh, but my mom met Gail later on, and like they have a picture together. And yeah, my dad met everybody that I was interviewing, or both of them met everybody I interviewed that day. I think like Lonnie Love was there, and Erica Ash, and a couple other great people, and they all met them. And it was just it was an amazing moment. It was really really dope. Yeah, it's kind of annoying because my parents went out of t like they left town two days later, and then me and Oprah met up four days later. Oh. I was so <laughs> sad. I was like, oh my God, come back to town. Like I wanted to, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was a moment. Yeah. But you see, you know, I love moments like that because yeah. it just reinforces the fact that when you live in your purpose and mm. when you are consistent with your grind, the universe is going to bless you with yes. opportunities that you didn't even think you could get. Girl, girl. Right? Like you got the call from Oprah. I mean, that's huge. I remember like when you first moved to town, girl, you were like, I just want to be able to book one show and do one carpet and, you know, yeah. car and that's it. Right. I could, I could be happy for the rest of my life, but yeah. look where you got oh and how God. far you've come. It's tremendous. Thank you, my dear. I so appreciate you. And honestly, a lot of that was being willing to pivot too, which is what I really admire about you. And when you mentioned like the pandemic, giving us space to 
try new things and pivot, even if you're still in media, what was some of the harder pivots for you in your career? Because, you know, we live in a place that nothing's necessarily stable. We have a show one day and we don't have a show the next day. And so there's a lot of pivots and a lot of mindset shifts that it takes. What was some of the pivots for you that were really significant in your career? Well, I um, am forever always going to love entertainment news, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I did get to that point where it wasn't challenging for me anymore, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm always going to love a war show season because I feel like people work their entire life to get there. But after doing it for a few years, you know, you, I felt like I wanted to challenge myself to be more vulnerable um, instead of showing myself as like being excited to do this, excited to do that, which we obviously are. Yeah. But we peel the layers back, peel the layers back. Yes. Hard. It's, Mm -hmm. it was a, challenge for me because I just had the personality where it was easier for me to get all dolled up and pretend like everything's dandy and celebrate this grandiose moment than to peel back the layers and reveal what my story was mm-hmm. and I think that's why I, I I'm even to this day I'm so much more comfortable interviewing other people as opposed to being on camera and telling my own story because girl it's hard it's hard to be vulnerable it's hard yeah. to talk about all the things that aren't so pretty all the things yeah. that you know, we have to be more candid about, we have to normalize talking about, cause I don't want people to only look at our journey. Like, Oh, they haven't made, they got, you know, X, Y, and mm-hmm. Z so easy. Um, for me, I've been really passionate about sharing a lot of hashtag stop Asian hate stories because I have blocked off a lot of the childhood trauma, a lot of the bullying from the past, because I just had the personality where I didn't want to dwell on it. I wanted to move on. So I yeah. almost blocked it off from my memory, right? But I realized that our generation and the next generation, us as a culture, we can't heal what we don't reveal. So first we have to share it to again, remind others who are watching that all of us, we have similar journeys. We know what it's like to get targeted for racism. We know what it's like to be discriminated against. We know mm-hmm. what it's like to get bullied. We yeah. know what that feeling is. Yeah. And um, and more importantly, I hope that it can amplify for others to feel safe in sharing their stories because I don't want anyone to ever feel like they don't have a voice. Yeah. We all have voices. And thanks to social media, girl, like one tweet can end a company. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> one tweet can hold someone accountable yeah. for some shady things in the past. Mm-hmm. Man, you're... Oh, I'm taking a deep breath on that because I think we, again, being a part of this industry, but also I feel a lot of the industries might have this as well, but regardless, being in the professional state, there's so much keeping things behind closed doors, right? There's so much experiences that we've, we've tried. Oh, we don't want to get our boss in trouble. We don't want to lose our job. We still want to look good. We want to be liked. And so we don't fully tell the parts of our stories that are painful, that are real, that somebody disrespected us, that somebody was racist, that somebody, you know, was discriminatory. And so I so appreciate you bringing that up because I think, I mean, both of our cultures were and have been hashtags over the past year and have been large, you know, scale conversations, but I'd love to bring it to a personal note for you. um, I first want to go back to last year, July during Black Lives Matter. And I'd I'd love to know where your mind was um, as somebody showing up in media, as someone showing up as an Asian, Asian American, as someone showing up as a supportive person, as a supportive human being. Did you feel challenges of how to show up? And then That's I can ask a great question. Um, last year, I 
honestly, during the Black Lives Matter movement, I felt so incredibly empowered because um, even, even when I went to school in Pittsburgh. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pennsylvania, you know, mm. when I had a hard time assimilating into the American culture, like a lot of the Black students, not many, there there were a handful, you know, they welcomed me into uh, their circle of friends. And mm. uh, I remember like even in high school, we formed the uh, Multicultural Union Day. <laughs> oh my God, see, I love us. We'd be so ready. <laughs> that was part of my school, girl. This is how white my school was. <laughs> that <laughs> is a Multicultural <laughs> Union Day where they shipped a lot of the kids from like the inner city school district to like- That is <laughs> so real. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, um, so I, I felt so empowered and I mm. knew we had a, so much work to do. And I was, last year was also a really uh, important time in my personal timeline because my fiance and I were just moving back because he, I, I don't know if you know this, but he finished dental school in Omaha, Nebraska at Creighton. So I, after I lived in LA, I moved to New York and then I was, um, you know, doing time in Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. middle of nowhere as mm-hmm. he was finishing dental school mm-hmm. before we moved over. And I remember hearing about the shooting of a uh, local kid from Omaha called James Skurlock. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you were keeping up with the story, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was a black kid who got shot by a local bar owner in Omaha. Mm-hmm. It was the owner of the hive. And that guy was known to be a racist around town. I mean, even if you went on his Facebook, it was mm-hmm. like all kinds of Ooh. hateful language. Yeah. And I just, you know, when I, that morning, when I heard that the, um, the, uh, the attorney general declared for his murder to not be a hate crime because they couldn't, you know, from the videos that they were watching, they couldn't hear uh, the shooter utter any racist words. I was devastated. I broke down crying for like, you know, at least like three to four hours because I was like, you know, anytime a senseless murder happens, you want to call for some sense of justice, right? You want the you want the shooter to be held accountable. You want them to face the proper sentencing. But at that time, I was like, you know, I, I just don't know what's going on with our society anymore. I felt so helpless. I felt devastated. Um, and it just it made me realize that, you know, I'm not Black American, but as an ally, there are so many things that I can do on top of giving money. You know, I can volunteer. I can do this. I can do that. I can mm-hmm. check in on my friends mm-hmm. because I know the feeling of what it's like to be discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Your experience is always going to be different from mine. Mine mm-hmm. is different from yours. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we right. can't build a better future until we do everything in our power to call for some sort of a cross-cultural allyship. Yeah. And that's, and that leads me to my next question, cross-cultural allyship. What do you look for right now with your friends in in terms of how they're showing up, no matter what race they are, how do you not just expect, but what are you looking for people and how to show up in this space and truly, because I think it's also an educational moment as well. I think when, when injustice happens at such a large scale, when you get down to the personal, it can feel very helpless. I felt very, very helpless last year during this time. I, I really, spent a lot of times in my tears and and I had to learn to get up and to fight and to show up but it took me some time I was really traumatized by that time 
just like a lot of us were. And so in this time, we're feeling that again um, right. for a different community. And it's like, but the allyship still stands, the cross-culturalness still stands. So how do you expect people to show up now or hope people show up now? Well, I'll tell everyone what not to do, which is mm-hmm. why racism exists. Mm-hmm. Right? Wait, say um, that again. Say that again in case people forgot. Not deny that racism exists. Yeah. So first, there is so much power in listening to the hurt of an entire community as opposed to telling them how to feel, right? And uh, I remember last year when the whole Black Lives Matter movement started happening, started being more and more amplified on social media, instead of recognizing that police brutality is a problem, And I'm not saying all cops are bad, but there is a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of reform in a lot of police departments across the U.S. Mm -hmm. to promote better education, better uh, better action coming from those who protect and serve. I think what you know what I was seeing at the time was that so many people would much rather rationalize it as one off incident by a single bad cop as looking at it as a systemic problem. Yeah. Right. And I know a lot of my Black friends in the community felt hurt. They felt like they weren't being heard because, again, they were being told how to feel and they were being told that racism doesn't exist. And it's the same thing that was that is happening right now to um, the AAPI community, the shooting that just happened in Atlanta, Georgia. We were told that it's not a hate crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just amazed at how many people would much rather blame the media for mm-hmm. amplifying a story as opposed to actually accept the fact that this is a reality that members of a certain community have to live with every single day. I still get hate mail on my Instagram, on, on Facebook, people saying, don't let the media lie to you. Asian hate is not that bad. I'm like, listen, have you seen this face? Mm. It's me. Being a living and breathing human being, I should be able to tell you and show you by example. What I'm experiencing. Yeah. Exactly. So I I would just want everyone to um, take a step back. If it's not something that they understand fully yet, instead of denying the problem, shifting the narrative to blame some other institution, read about it, right? Mm -hmm. We have a little thing called Google. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of websites we don't need to pay for. A yeah. lot of amazing education um, readily available at our fingertips that they can yeah. just read and learn about the painful stru- struggles that we've all had to uh, go through as yeah. colored and marginalized communities. Yeah, it's hard to... Well, I, I say it's hard to wrap my head around the same thing you said in regards to people denying it because you, I personally believe, and I feel like we share this belief in terms of that we, we come from flesh and blood, right? And so when, if it's not your flesh and blood experiencing it, how could you even talk about what somebody else is? Literally, it's not your flesh and blood. So you have no reason to, to not like it until privilege gets involved, right? Because then privilege blinds you and bring, brings so many blind spots that says, well, if I start seeing that, then I have to do something about it. And I don't feel like doing something about it. And that's what I feel like the the larger conversation really got to me was last year. And even now is nobody wants to have to reckon with the parts of themselves that they've contributed to the problem. And I just want to say that just because you contributed to the problem doesn't mean you have to stay the problem. Yes. You're willing to look at past this guilt and this hurt and all this stuff that we as humans like to hold on to that lets us never change, 
then you're willing to be a part of the solution. And then you should get a part of that. That's going to take some breaking down. That's going to take some crying. You are going to be in pain. You are going to find out that some of the stuff you believe is shit. That is the truth. That is the part. But we're all we're all doing that. And we should all be doing that together. I'm hoping we are. Should is, you know, not a fair word. But yeah, it's like amazing point because I you know, being Asian American, I realized throughout the past two years that I was part of the problem in helping to perpetuate the model minority stereotype. Mm, mm. I thought it was something good growing mm. up, you know, um, the model minority myth, which is something that was used by uh, a, 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 a popularized by the Reagan administration, pretty much mm-hmm. isolates API community, Asian Americans, and pretty much says we're smart, we're rich, we're wealthy, we're successful. And if Asians could su- succeed in America, then should the low income whites, then should the black Latinx communities, Latinx mm-hmm. communities. And um, it was really used to divide us. It was really used to single us out. But growing up, it was something that I was taught to embrace because on a surface level, they all sound like compliments. We're smart. You know, Asian women are beautiful, which leads to the uh, fetishization of Asian women. And Mm. talking about it, it almost sounds like we were complaining about a compliment, something Mm. that on a surface level right? Sounded good, but underneath it all, we all know how problematic. Had evil intentions. It's crazy. So many of those things like, oh man, like, wow. And we, as like me as a black woman, definitely like, I'm thinking of back in elementary school and middle school who embraced that myth for my Asian friends as well saying like, oh my God, well, you know, because you know, you're good at math and things like that. And you're like, wow, this is really trifling. And thankfully I was willing to start having hard conversations by like nine. So I was already like, do you actually like math? And they'd be like, no, I'm like, okay, girl. So this doesn't make sense. And we keep it moving. But I was like, what is that? Does that really mean anything? Or I'm sorry, I got that assumption from this other place. Is that wrong? You know, having those conversations pretty early, but I was a little crazy, but, um, and I clearly loved journalism from a young age, but it's just hard because we all have been bamboozled, right? All of us, every race bamboozled. And, and there is an overlying, um, message to divide, just like you said. And it's like, if we don't recognize. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Is that we're actually all in this together on deeper levels than we might understand now. And we're willing to do the work to, to pare back the layers, to stop being so comfortable in whatever privileges we have, able-bodied privilege, um, Asian American privilege in one case, Black American privilege in another case, depending like classism, all these things, because there's a privilege for every group. There's a privilege for every human being almost. Um, well, I can't really speak to every human being. That That's not really fair. But I would say that I think that privilege in general, it just has such a um, blind spot. And if we're willing to put it down and we're willing to confront it, we can have these conversations on a deeper level without judging our worthiness in the meantime, without saying that, dang, I'm, I suck. I'm, I'm not the, you know, I was a part of the problem and letting that be the narrative versus I want to be a part of the solution. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, Stacey, I think it's hard to, uh, it's hard for a lot of individuals to recognize and realize that they're privileged because, oh, this is gonna come off as so savage, but 
it's hard for people to, to admit that they have accomplished so little in their life given so much privilege. Mm. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to, girl? Who wants to hear that, you know, they were never discriminated against for their ethnicity, their culture, their gender, their sexual preference, mm. their religious beliefs, and yet they do so little. No one wants to admit that. Yeah, it's... Right? That's why I had, like, I had a weird compassion that I wasn't fully expressing last year because that's what I believe. I believe that when you find out the truth that you really got a lot handed to you, you feel really bad and people are not looking to feel really bad. That's just the truth. Nobody wants to feel bad. I didn't have a lot handed to me. (laughs) You know, people are like, no, I worked really hard. And it's like, I'm not saying you didn't. I'm saying that this thing, your race, your gender, your sexual preference had nothing. It didn't stop you at all in your working hard. So somebody else worked hard too, but all these things stacked against them them from being able to be at the exact same place you are because low key y'all didn't do anything different. Yeah. I was really- a lot of yeah. a lot of people. I've also gotten people who um, write messages to me saying like, "Well, you know, obviously your struggles weren't that bad because look how well you did for yourself, right?" I'm Oof. like, "But here's the thing: what girl at the age of 19 had to learn how to start her own LLC, form her own company because she couldn't get a job mm. as an entertainment journalist?" You know, um, <laughs> it's not about how much you succeed or what your level of success appears to be. It's like how much work did you have to get from point A to point B when in reality you should be at like WXYZ? Mm. WYZ to be to be clear, seeing as how that's your media company, but anyway, <laughs> XYZ, XYZ. Yeah, no, but that's, it's so real. And, and I wish we, I want us to be willing to peel back more layers to keep having these conversations in a deeper way that allows us again, your worthiness is not to be questioned right now. It's about you being willing to strip down the things that are false about this reality. They're false. The way you see people, the way you judge people based on the way they look, speak, talk, who they love, these things are false. These are things that keep us separate from each other. And once we start realizing that we're actually reflections of each other, hopefully we we're willing to do more work. I, you know, that's what I'm hoping on. I mean, I, I've had to sit with some uncomfortable truths as well. I think we all are and Hopefully we stay willing because I, y'all, it's a better world when we do that. But, you know, let's keep to this crap that's been sold to us. I don't know. I'm just kind of like over the fact that we were sold a bag of shit and we're still willing to walk around with it, even though we know it separates us. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I'm so hopeful for Gen Z because Mm. that's like how much our generation has loved pop culture, celebrity news, like the era of the boy bands and TRL and all that stuff. They're so about activism, you know, they're so socially conscious. They don't Mm. just want to uh, buy pretty things that enrich their lives, but they, they want to, you know, support the brands that actually are in line with their messaging. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Have you, have you had, now that you brought up brands, have you had some really positive brand experiences? And if you don't, if you don't mind, have you also, could you share any negative brand experiences that, you know, was pivotal just for maybe even your understanding or learning of where you wanted to fit in in storytelling? Yeah, I, um, well, a positive experience I had was, uh, obviously my your makeup brand. Yeah. Yeah. collaboration, And it was so cool because when the team approached me about- Wait, like, for those who don't know about it, can you talk a little more from the beginning? Sure. So I launched a makeup collection with BH Cosmetics called the Lunar New Year 2021 Edit Collection. 
Um, we have been working on it for, I want to say over a year and a half. And when BH first approached me, they had the idea of doing a collaboration, but I really wanted to do something surrounding Lunar New Year because growing up again in America, like in the early 2000s, I just didn't see a lot of faces in the beauty space, in the makeup space that looked similar to mine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the standards of beauty that I was taught was obviously the, uh, the white standards of beauty. You know, you wanted to have blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful cheekbones. You wanted to look like a supermodel <laughs> and that's just not what your girl looks like. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I was excited to create a product that um, I felt like not only little Shishi would have been so psyched to get her hands on, but something that could speak to um, Asian Americans and Asians all over the world. I've even, oh God, this one brought me to tears. I have this one guy who lives in Germany right now. He's Chinese German, but he was just telling me the story of how he had to escape from uh, China because his relatives and the country still doesn't quite embrace um, still doesn't quite embrace uh, a guy, a man wearing makeup. And then for him to be able to get his hands on like a palette that celebrates his heritage, something he could play with, it was just so powerful. And that's when I knew the project was going to be bigger than myself. And um, it was such an amazing experience because BH and I both wanted to have an all Asian team working on the project. Because, mm. you know, representation is not just important in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well, Absolutely. right? Who's working on it? Who's doing the storytelling? Who's doing the photography, the makeup, the hairstyling, everything. We wanted to be as authentic as we could be in storytelling, which is why I think uh, really led to the success of the collaboration is sold out. The palette sold out on beautybait.com, which is all the European countries within mm. the first week, and then Ulta.com within the first three weeks. So it did a lot better than what I had hoped oh. as, you know, my first time doing the makeup collaboration. So that was- Congratulations, girl. Congratulations. That's huge, Shishi. That's huge. Thanks. And yeah. it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know, being able to uh, uh, fulfill a fantasy of mine, a dream mm -hmm. that little Shishi mm -hmm. would have died to have at the age of 16. Um, I don't have- I don't have a lot of bad experiences from brands, but then again, I think it's because I just know when to say no. <laughs> right, right. You're not putting yourself in that situation. But, you know, yeah. when to walk out. So yeah. I don't put myself in too many vulnerable situations. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, obviously with my hosting, I've had the instances of, you know, people saying like, can you change your name? Or can you pronounce things differently? Because we can hear a Chinese accent. I'm like, but it's who I am. Yeah. You know, and I spent so much money going to like hosting coaches, going to voice coaches, thinking I should fix who I am. But at the end of the day, I'm me. And hey, I should celebrate the fact that I can speak two languages. Yes. Oh my God. It's crazy. The unlearning and the relearning we're all having to do, right? Like, to, to be nine and think that you, you're you at a disadvantage for speaking another language or having a different tone of voice. And then to grow up and be like, I'm actually like amazing. And I know how to relate to more human beings on this planet. 
it's, it's, oh man, I'm, I'm just, I want us to continue to be in the process of the unlearning and the relearning. Okay. People wanted to make sure we're part and hopefully we're doing the work to stay together. Like we really are all reflections of each other. And I'm so glad you, I already know that about you, that you are just completely embodying who you are, Shishi, but it is just awesome to even hear some of this backstory of what it takes to really stick to stick to your guns and, and flourish in who you are and who God created you to be. And honestly, Stacey, I'm sure you can relate to this, but that is the best feeling in the world. You know, mm. it's not how much money you make. It's not how big your influence is. To me, if I can just impact one person and hopefully change the way that they see uh, themselves yeah. through telling my story, I would feel like my journey is fulfilled. Yeah. So speaking of your journey, as we close out, I know that you... You talked about like, I love entertainment news and I'm always going to love it, but where are you now? Where do you see yourself telling stories in the future more often? I see myself as a storyteller in general now. Mm -hmm. I know for the longest time I was hesitant of claiming that title because, you know, we're so great at belittling our accomplishments and Mm -hmm. boxing ourselves in, right? thinking entertainment is all we can do, thinking pop culture and celebrities is all we can do. But the reality is now we live in an environment where I... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Would even go as far as to say that news is entertaining. Politics have provided more entertainment (laughs) than the Oscars could ever hope for. Let's be honest. For real. 2020 like boom 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 those were our headlines that was giving me life that was giving me a sense of entertainment right so I'm expanding the definition of entertainment and Mm -hmm. I hope to be a storyteller I hope to challenge myself to be more vulnerable in general and uh that's pretty much it yeah, I'm proud of you. I'm so grateful to that we were able to connect in this space and you know that you always have a home at Human to Human to practice or continue to be vulnerable, to open up, to just be the storyteller you are. I mean, truly, she, she was one of those people when I met in the beginning of my career, I was so enamored. You were just, you were on it. I was like, yeah, I... I our spirits matched because, you know, I was crazy too. I was a hustler. I'm running around. We're trying to get everybody. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I'm so glad we did that so that now whatever we do next, we know like, wow, we come from, from the heart and the soul of storytelling. We come from the love of this. And, and so hopefully those stories continue to go really far. So proud of you, girl. So proud of you. Girl, I'm proud of you. I love this show so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you guys so much for watching and for being a part of this. Make sure you guys check out Shishi Yang. And also, do you want to plug any other parts of your company? Sure. Uh, Make sure to follow Pop News Edition, which is a new digital show that I started focusing more on the diverse aspect of pop culture from a global perspective, not just what's hot in Hollywood, but right. you know, our world has been getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And uh, follow me on Instagram, X-I-X-I-Y-A-N-G. So you can stay tuned to all the highlights and the lowlights too, because we got to normalize talking about that as well. 
Yeah. See the lowlights and the highlights, y'all. That's what we're doing on Human to Human, being real, relating our truth, um, and just opening up because honestly, the rest really doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> what did you think about the episode? You liked it, right? So you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, leave a review, and while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share it. Stay connected between episodes at humanhumanseries.com, where I will definitely be answering this episode's reflection question. And come hang out with us on Instagram at humanhuman with Stacey Ike. And you can find me at one take Stace. Not one like the number one, one like the only one. I'm your host, Stacey Ike. And remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's be curious. Let's be in community. And let's stay connected. Love y'all. This episode was produced by Stacey Ike and Tracy Lincoln. Associate producer, Davis Ike, audio engineer, Jarrell Jones, and special thanks to our guests and the entire team at Stacey Ike, Inc. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.